If you joined me in last episode, you would have heard me talk about trends, the trends that were leaving as the new year approached and the ones that were coming in as we ring in the new year. And these trends had me scratching my head and thinking, oh, I think I might be a trendsetter. <laughs> because these are things that are the foundation of what Fig and Farm at Home is. And really the idea of encouraging all of you to craft and create a home that tells your story. Because your story comes from nuance, it comes from personality, it comes from character. And quite honestly, that character can come from the good old pieces. Get rid of the cheap replicas, that is what the trendsetters are saying, and bring in the things that have been around for years, the things that you might find in grandma's attic, the, the things that you find at thrift stores and junking and garage sales. Those things, when you add newness to it, a new story, a new life, maybe a new stain, maybe new paint, maybe, maybe it's just a new appreciation. When you add the newness to it, it can add to your home, add value to your home in a way that cheap replicas can't. So we are talking about that today. And last last episode, I mentioned because this is a new trend, and I am air quoting, I'm going to teach you how I do it. Did you know that before Fig and Farm at Home became a decorating service, I started as Fig and Farm. And I started as a product-based business curating vintage goods, redoing vintage pieces of furniture, bringing new life, a little bit of modern to it so that I could help my clients see the potential of pieces in their own home. Fig and Farm is still in existence. It is located in my small town and it's a place where people can come and browse and shop and it is so much fun. That is the birth of Fig and Farm at Home is the curated pieces and over time, over all those years, I have learned a thing or two. So I'm going to spill all my secrets today. You are probably going to want to grab a paper, a pen, and a cup of tea because if you are at all interested in following this trend, if you've ever been interested or frustrated and you don't want to be frustrated when you go thrift shopping, you're going to want to know all my tips and secrets. All right, enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is. But our culture has shifted, and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget and I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style, where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. So I know just by mentioning the word thrift store, thrift shopping, junking, antiquing, garage sailing, whatever you would want to call that, I know I've lost some of you. I know some of you have thought, I can see maybe value in it, but there, it is just not for me. And I want you to just stick with me for a minute. 
maybe I'll convince you to give it a try. Maybe I won't. We're going to talk about why I do it, why I started, and some of the reasons why maybe it wouldn't be good for you. Because just because it's there, just because it could be um, opportunistic for some people, doesn't mean it is for everyone. I grew up thrifting. It was something that being raised as the youngest child of six kids, we needed to shop cheaply. And so that's what we did. And I hated it. If I'm being quite honest, I hated it. Garage sailing, didn't like it, didn't want to go with my mom, didn't want to do the thing, and definitely did not want to wear uh, pants or clothes or anything that was hand-me-down. But again, I was the youngest of six, and so I got hand-me-downs anyway. And so then to go and get hand-me-downs from someone who wasn't even in my family, (laughs) forget it. But it wasn't until I had my first baby, went from dual income to single income, that thrifting became a part of my culture. And I I don't want to say my family culture because Mr. Fig and Farm doesn't do it. (laughs) In fact, there have been way too many times when I brought home a piece of furniture and he looks at it and thinks, what in the heck is that? And I fix it up, do it up, and I sell it for a profit and he's shocked. He's left scratching his head. So it's not part of, I guess it's part of our culture. We can call it part of our family culture. He just doesn't go, (laughs) but I go. Okay. So here's what happened. Uh, Starting as a teacher and getting pregnant and having my baby. And I just realized I don't necessarily want to have someone else hang out with my baby while I'm with their babies. It didn't make sense to me, but gosh, we were poor. We were poor as church mice. And there were times when, you know, we would, we would splurge on Mr. Fig and Farm's work outfit because he was wearing, um, not a suit, but he was wearing a tie and a collar to his job. And I wasn't, but my body was changing. My pregnancy body, my baby belly body, my post baby body, it was all changing and little one was growing. And so we needed to get some things on the cheap and which is what we did. We went to thrift stores in order to do that. Well, we splurged on the really inexpensive stuff for Mr. Fig and Farm. That's what we did. But it was also at that time when I just got super incredibly bored with looking at the same four walls. And I've shared before that I painted and the paint was transformational and all of that. But what I haven't shared with you is that around this same time, I inherited a desk from my grandpa and it was a really nice desk. I still have it but I didn't really like the wood. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to paint it and see what happens and add new knobs. And, and it looks fantastic. I of course had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea, but that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Me heading into thrift stores to get the clothes for little one and I, me redoing grandpa's desk, and then realizing that there are some really fun treasures here. And actually this is kind of a fun way to pass some time. Fast forward a couple years, Fig and Farm was born, and it was a place for creative outlet to happen. It was the height of the repurposing DIY movement. Do you remember that? About 10 years ago or so, where you could reimagine, and it's still happening, but I don't feel like it's happening as much, Um, or maybe it's because it was so blog pervasive. I don't know. But around that time, I started gathering and curating vintage goods and would sell them in 
shows, local shows, and I would head back to my friend's hometown in Iowa and we'd sell them together. And she opened her shop, I opened mine. And this was something that was a way to reimagine the good old stuff. If you can tell a story with the product in a way that entices people living nowadays in 2020, 2022, 20, nowadays, if you can entice them with the good old stuff, if you tell the story that is intriguing, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. And so I have spent countless hours and time curating and repurposing and reimagining and reinventing these stories of these things that aren't quite done yet. These pieces that aren't quite done. So to hear that this is a trend that's coming in, I, I couldn't be happier. I just could not be happier. But here's the thing. Here are a few reasons why I think thrifting is a good thing. So if you've already tuned me out, okay, I think you probably already turned me off. But if you're still listening <laughs> and are kind of half listening, hear this. There are a few reasons why you might want to thrift. And by thrifting, I mean this. I mean going to a thrift store, so Goodwill, Value Village, St. Paul's, whatever the thrift store is. I mean garage sailing. I mean looking on uh, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, uh, receiving hand-me-downs from friends, junking. I call it junking and because one person's junk is another person's treasure. So that's what my little ones called it when they were teeny tiny. Even getting hand-me-downs, all of that I am considering thrifting. So you might think I'm not going into a secondhand store. I'm not going into Goodwill. I'm not going to do it. And okay, that's fine. But if you shop on Facebook Marketplace, guess what? You are thrifting and that's good. Here's why. So here are four reasons why I think thrifting is a good idea. No matter what area or what version of thrifting you're kind of picturing right now, four reasons why I think it's a good idea. The first reason is that it saves you money. Sometimes you can find the exact same thing that you were hoping to buy brand new in the box off the shelf at Crate and Barrel, but you find it in the aisle of a thrift store. Imagine the savings when you do it that way. Sometimes you might need a brand new, or not a brand new, a new armchair. And you go on Facebook Marketplace and voila, there you find it. The one that you've been hoping for and it's going to look great in your room. And you didn't have to pay the hundreds of dollars. The second reason I think it's a good idea to thrift is because you can find some really unique pieces. You know, when you go thrifting and or look on Facebook Marketplace or wherever you go, sometimes you find items that you wouldn't find in the next door. You wouldn't find at on the shelves of Target, somewhere that is so pervasive, you wouldn't find it there. Sometimes you will, of course, but the opportunity for finding unique pieces at a fraction of the, of the cost is greater. So one site that I want you to think about, and you may not know this site, but it's called One King's Lane. And One King's Lane is a very posh uh, garage sale, <laughs> basically. Go check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty unique. And these are items that have been curated like from people like me and have put into this online marketplace for people like you so that you can find these one-of-a-kind pieces that you can't find when you go to a box store. Thrifting is like that and you can find your own things that may or may not rival the ones that you'd find on this posh site, One King's Lane. 
Okay, the third reason why it's a really good idea to thrift is because it can reduce the carbon footprint. Think about all of the things that people, when you go through your home and you're getting rid of things and you throw it in the trash, and it's fine if they're broken, if they're not usable, if they can't be repaired, they might not, can't be recycled, they might need to go someplace else. But think about all of the times, and I'm sure you've seen this because I know I have, all of the times you've heard or seen people throw away things that could be reused. It happens a lot. So I know if I'm going to be going through my home, getting rid of things, I am going to be making piles, donate, sell, throw away, recycle, all of that, right? The things I donate, of course, that's what we're thrifting. That is what we are looking for. And so when you can keep those in circulation, if you can reimagine it, repurpose it, revision it into a great working purpose for you, awesome. You are saving it from a landfill and I am all about that. Now, I do tend to be just a teeny tiny bit greener than (laughs) some of the people living in my home. Um, Like I will take out things that I find in the garbage and put it in the recycle. So I very much believe in the idea of reuse, recycle, repurpose, revision, reimagine. I think it's really important that we don't um, fill our landfills if we don't need to. Because remember this, remember this. One person's trash, now, of course, throw away things that are really trash, right? But one person, what they consider as trash is another person's treasure. I remember not too long ago, my mother-in-law asked if I would help her go through her basement. And they have a ginormous home and lots of storage, things that they've kept for years and years and years. And it was a tricky job to do. I'm not going to mince words. It was tricky because I didn't hold any emotional attachment to her things. Now, if it were my mom asking me, I probably would have said, oh, mom, this is cute. Let's hang on to that. But I didn't because I didn't grow up with any of those pieces. So being a neutral third party to her process was good. But I found myself saying this over and over and over again, and I think it was helpful for her. Because as she was ready to say yes or no to these pieces, I kept saying, it's okay. If you are ready to get rid of it, let's bless someone else because someone else is going to absolutely love it. Right now, it is sitting in your storage room, in your closet. It is not being used, but someone is going to absolutely love it. Someone else is going to find joy with it. Someone else is going to give it a life that you are not giving it right now. And you had your time with it and it's okay. And she probably got tired of me saying that over and over. I gave different versions of that same thing, but that really is reality. One person, what they consider as trash is another person's treasure. And it can be really special to be quite honest. Okay. The fourth reason that I enjoy thrifting and that maybe you will too, especially once you hear my tips for keeping it efficient and really what to look out for is that it can be really fun. It can be so much fun to go treasure hunting. It feels like going treasure hunting without a map. You might have a map to get to the store, but really once you're there, I mean, you never know what you're going to find. (laughs) It is so unpredictable that it really resonates with my personality, so I love it. I can imagine that some of you, it could be really very frustrating 
And I hope that I might convince you otherwise in the other tips I'm going to share today. Okay, but I, with all the reasons why it could be really good for you to go thrifting, and remember thrifting is any one of those things, right? Going to a thrift store, shopping, um, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, getting hand-me-downs, any of that. But here are some things that you might want to consider that they might not be actually. Thrifting might not be the best for you. Sometimes things that get turned into to thrift stores, things that you might purchase in that secondhand way, sometimes they're damaged and you might not know about it until you get home. And in that case, it kind of became, becomes a little bit of a a bummer. Either you fix it or you have to repair, you know, you repair it or give it away damaged or now you're responsible for throwing it in the landfill. And so you might have wasted money in that case. Sometimes it can be beyond repair if you don't look at it close enough before you bring it home. Another thing, reason why it could be kind of maybe a pitfall, I guess, is what what I would call this pitfall for thrifting is that it, it's super non-efficient. It is the most non-efficient way to go shopping in the history of shopping. <laughs> okay, drama, cue drama, but really it it really isn't efficient because you don't know what you're going to get. You might have an idea of what you want. You might have a specific list of what you want, but you don't know until you get there. And you might go and find a million things one day, or you might go and find nothing. So it can be if you're not sure what you're doing, if you don't know how to hone it in, it can be really inefficient. And the third kind of pitfall, I guess, with with thrifting would be that sometimes if you're not careful, even though you think you might be saving money because, wow, that price is right. Oh, that price is so good. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to snag that up. I'm going to snag that up. You actually could end up spending more because you think you're getting a good deal. Have you ever done that? Like going to Costco and you think, oh my gosh, that is on sale. Or maybe it's not even on sale, but it's Costco and there's a million of those things, but I'm only going to eat two. And you end up buying more than you need. Sometimes thrifting can be like that. And so that's one pitfall we want to avoid when we are thrifting. But, you know, if you're aware of the potential of damaged goods, if you're aware of it not being efficient and you can hone in your your practices in order to become efficient, And if you're aware of really spending and what you're spending your money on. So really, honestly, for that last one, some things that I do now, when I do thrift, I am thrifting for my brick and mortar store. I am thrifting also for my home because I love to furnish my home that way. So I am kind of running the items I'm going to purchase through these lenses. I am asking myself all the questions, all the questions that you would ask if you were buying a shirt at Target. You're asking, do I love it? Do I like it? Do I need it? Would I wear it? What would I wear it with? What would I use it with? You're asking yourself those same series of questions with your thrifted goods. Now for me, I'm doing two different things. I'm kind of categorizing it home or office, basically, right? Home or work, home or work. And you need to be aware of the comparables, So I know, for example, that if I am thrifting and I'm curating for um, the shop, for the office, I need to make sure that I get a return on my, my investment. I need to make sure that if I'm going to be putting work into that, I am going to be, um, getting my time out of that. 
whatever I'm charging for it, right? So you, you do need to be mindful of that. But most of you are thrifting for yourself. And so one thing that you need to be thinking about is what is the price? Just because I found it at a thrift store doesn't mean that it's the best value. So a couple years ago, I went to um, I went to a thrift store and I found a lamp and it was a cute lamp and there was no price tag on it. And I thought, oh, this is great. Asked the clerk what how much it was. And the price was $20. Okay, really $20. It looked pretty new. I know that I could walk down right down the street go to the big box store and I could buy a lamp for about the same price, maybe a couple dollars margin either way. Am I going to buy the thrifted lamp for 20? No, I'm not going to do that. I knew what my bottom line was. I knew what my top price point was. I knew the comparable values. So there's making decisions based on mindfulness that way is a very good thing. And that can help you save money as well. Okay. So a quick recap before we move on to tips for being efficient as you thrift. So reasons why you might, because you could save money, because you could find really unique pieces, you're reducing the carbon footprint, and because it is just fun to treasure hunt. But then there's some pitfalls to avoid. And one of those pitfalls is the same thing as the reason why we might want to, and that is you might actually end up spending more money. So be wary, wary of that. Know your comparables, know your bottom line, know, you, know the value. Be mindful of what your top dollar is and what your bottom dollar is of what you're willing to spend. And ask yourself all the questions you would if you were at a regular store. Do I need it, love it, want it, all of that. So things that is a pitfall to avoid is that it's not efficient. And it could mean that you aren't as careful with picking it out and you might pick out something that's damaged. But one other thing I want to mention before I forget, and this is specific to thrifting furniture items. Of course you want to check for damage. Of course you want to check for usability. But I also want you to ask yourself these questions specific to furniture items. The questions are, is it usable right now in the condition it is that it's in, or is it going to be something that I need to put work into in order to make it serve the purpose for me and my, my home and my family? And then what work is that? Am I relying on someone else to do it? Or are the repairs that are going to be made, are they in my wheelhouse? Is it something like a pet project, or is it something that is going to be really refined? And if it's really refined, do I have the skills in order to make that happen? Another thing to ask yourself, especially with furniture, is how realistic is it that I'm going to make any of those changes in order to make it really be what I want it to be, really be reach the vision I had for it in the first place? Do I have space for it? Is it going to be in my garage hanging out? And what is the timeline for me doing the work to repair it or restore it or repaint it or whatever? What is the timeline? And is it going to be hanging out in my garage, just being a pile of stuff in my garage? So asking yourself those questions is really, really important as well. Of course, I have a different filter. I have, um, because I'm shopping for inventory, some of those things are how many furniture items can I hold in my garage at a given time? <laughs> um, 
and I try to keep it. Mr. Fig and Farm, are you listening? I try, 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 I try my best to keep it at two. Do you hear me? I'm trying to keep it at two so that I have one ready to paint, ready to restore, ready to refurbish now, and one for when that one sells. So I do try to keep it to a minimum. I am mindful of that. Of course, there are times when you open the garage and you might think, oh, she's opening a furniture store. (laughs) Oh, love me. Okay, we're moving on because you are probably, if I've convinced you yet, it's time to go. You're going to go hit the thrift stores this weekend. How do you make it efficient? How do you make it so that you are not picking up every single piece and you're not browsing down the aisle for two hours in the aisle, unless you want to. How do you make it efficient? I have seven tips for efficiency. The first one and most important one, I think, is to manage your expectations. Here's how it kind of works. If you go in expecting to find the perfect thing, the thing, the specific thing, you will most likely end up being disappointed, frustrated, and never wanting to go thrifting again. But if you go in and your expectations are super low, chances are that you are going to have a higher reward. And chances are you might be surprised with what it is that you find. Number two, keep a list of generalities of things that you might want to look for, but not specifics. So for example, I, because I shop for my shop and I shop for my home, I shop based on my overall aesthetic. I know what my aesthetic is. I don't need to keep a list of generalities anymore because it is in tune. It is ingrained into my, into who I am. I know my aesthetics forward and backward in my home and you might be getting there or you might be thinking, what are you, what are you even talking about? Okay. If you're there, if you don't know yet, if you still need to hone that skill, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want you to go back and I want you to listen to, I think it's episode six or seven where it is a series, but where do I start in home design? And you are fine tuning your aesthetic, not your style. Style is too global. We want to be more nuanced and we want to know what it is that make up our style. What is it? What are the teeny tiny little pieces that make up our style? Those are your aesthetics. Go back and listen to the episode and I walk you through how to do that. Okay, but because I have my my aesthetic, I know it down pat, I know what I'm looking for all the time. So I know that I can go down an aisle. I might go down it two times, but I'm kind of going fast. I don't have a whole lot of time to give to this. And so I'm going to go fast and things that catch my eye the first time, awesome. If I have a little bit of time, I might take two extra minutes in the aisle. So know your generalities but keep your list of specific things in the background. This is where you're managing your expectations. Now, I do have one specific item that is constantly on my mind. It's constantly on my mind, and it is something, it is my unicorn. I don't know if I will ever find it. I probably will someday. It might be next year. It might be five years down the road. It might be 10 years down the road. It might be 20. I have no idea. But that is the specific stemware that was my grandmother's wine glasses. I have three and three doesn't make a complete set. It's fine. It's great, but they're beautiful. And I would love more so that I can have 
a set that reminds me of grandma. So that is always on my mind. Um, however, I don't always remember it. So I'm remembering it today. I might remember it in two months when I go in, but I might not remember it this weekend if I go. So it is constantly on my mind. It is a specific piece. If I remember it while I'm there, I'm looking out for it. But otherwise, I'm not. So keep a list of generalities. Okay, tip number three, go often. Now, often for you is going to look different than often for me. And because I shop for the shop, I am going at least once a month, maybe two times a month. And if it's just for me, I might just go once a quarter. It depends. But go as often as you can for you because it's, you never know what you're going to find. It is, it, it's a retail store, of course, but it is so different than Target or Walmart or Pottery Barn or Crate and Barrel. It is so different because these things aren't stocked in bulk. You literally don't know what you're going to find when you go in today. And if you go in tomorrow, even in an hour, it could be vastly different. So another quick tip that's not on my list is if you find it today, you love it, you see it, and you've asked yourself all those questions, get it. because, Or at least put it in your cart and walk around the store with it. Because you never know if it's going to be there when you go back. And you think about it over and over because you missed it. Okay, that was just bonus. Tip number four, know your prices and your comparables. And I mentioned that before with the spending. Don't overspend because you know your prices and your comparables. That lamp story, that's this. You know that you can buy a brand new lamp for $20. So why would you thrift a lamp for $20? Unless it's unique, you love it. It's something that is um, a treasure. But if it is a really a brand new lamp, or, you know, newish in the last couple of years lamp style that you know you could get the same thing down the street at a retail store, why would you spend more money on the thrifted item? So be smart about the comparables and know your prices. Okay, tip number five. I've already given this away. This is fantastic. Ask the right questions. We've already talked about this one too. Do you love it? Do you need it? Do you like it? Do you have a space for it? Who's going to be repairing it if it needs repairs? Is that Are those repairs dependent on you or someone else? And do they know that they are going to be doing that? That's a good question too. Asking all of those questions is going to help you decide if this is something that you actually should take home and commit to or not. And if it does need repairs, if it does need refinishing, is it something that you really want to take on? And if it is, fantastic. Take one project, but if you've never done it before, just take one, just one. Finish that, complete that, turn it into a piece that you love before moving on to the next because you definitely don't want to have a thrift store in your garage. Okay, tip number six, know when to walk away. There are times when I have my generalities, my list of generalities. I know what I like. I know that it might be this kind of specific metal that I'm looking for, I always gravitate towards, but I know just because it falls into that general category of things I normally buy doesn't mean I have to. I can appreciate it. I can appreciate the style. I can appreciate the build. I can appreciate the makeup, but I don't need to take it home. I don't need to bring that home. And that took me a while actually to really understand that, especially in shopping for the shop. When I first started and I was curating goods I wouldn't always 
curate what was my aesthetic, what was my list of generalities. And that kind of bit me in the foot a couple times. But knowing what your specific aesthetics are is a good thing so that you don't buy it and then wonder when you get home, wait, what, what, why did I do that? It doesn't really go with anything here. So understanding your aesthetic is super, super important in order to thrift efficiently. And the last tip is be prepared to be surprised. Be prepared. And this might be as just as important as that first tip where you manage your expectations because going in not knowing what to expect, going in knowing that you have no idea what is going to be, what you're going to find. You are likely going to walk away surprised. And it might not happen. It might not be a huge surprise. It might not be every time, but chances are you are going to be surprised with one golden ticket find and it's going to be phenomenal. I have two that were golden ticket finds and one that stayed in my home and one that didn't. Of course, I've had more than two. These are the two that came to mind. One that I came that came to mind um, was for the shop and I so badly wanted to keep it at home. If you can imagine a vintage mahogany um, or maybe not mahogany that feels too red, but a deep wood glass cupboard, a glass bookshelf. It has two open doors that kind of resemble French doors with panes of glass, deep wood, and it's probably about seven feet tall. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't actually needing any pieces of furniture. I was going for something else and I found it. It stopped me in my tracks and I may have gasped. I'm not sure. (laughs) And I really wanted to lick the handle, but I didn't. I circled that thing like a shark and I waited and waited until there was an employee nearby so I could have him help me rather than me leave it unattended (laughs) and have it snagged from beneath me. But this was gorgeous and I so wish I had a space for it. I brought it home, didn't really need to do much to clean it up and get it ready for the shop and away it went. Someone found it and I hope is loving it today. The other one, my be prepared to be surprised, is currently sitting in my library. And this is a a piece that isn't necessarily my style if you were to think about it initially. But wowzer does it look good in there. This is a glass French provincial table with um, brass legs. This is actually a style that is very, it's very traditional and you would find almost this exact table in my mother-in-law's home. And she has a lovely home. She has a lovely style and it's very traditional and it's not necessarily me. It's not necessarily Danny's aesthetic, but I gravitate, gravitated towards it because of the style of legs and the legs are brass, of course, with a, a thick glass top but the legs have hooves at the feet and it is the coolest little thing. I absolutely love it. And it looks wonderful sitting atop my shag rug carpet in my library. It adds a bit of elegance to a room that could be otherwise masculine with all the books and the dark leather chairs. And so you put a little shag rug, you put a little glass, you put a little uh, brass hooved footing and there you have it. It's pretty spectacular. 
So those are my golden ticket. Those are my prepare to be surprised. I want to know what yours are. What are they? I want you to pop into the Facebook group and tell me what were your um, golden ticket finds? What did you find that was surprising that you absolutely love? And bonus if you share a picture. Okay, to recap really quickly, tips for efficiency, there are seven. Number one, manage your expectations. Don't be specific. Keep a list of generalities. That is two. Number three, go often, as often as works in your schedule. Not necessarily every day, every week, every month, whatever often is for you, because product changes so quickly. Number four, know your prices and your comparables so that you are not overspending on a piece that you could get brand new at a retail store. Number five, ask the right questions. Make sure that you love it, need it, want it, have space for it. If you need to repair it, redo it, that you, that's in your wheelhouse to do it, that you're not relying on anyone else to make those changes happen. Number six, know when to walk away. Know when you can appreciate a piece and say, you are going to be lovely with someone else. I can admire you, but I don't need to take you home. And number seven, be prepared to be surprised because you never know what you're going to find and it will probably be lovely. All right. And if I missed any tips for efficiency, pop those into the Facebook group too. I want to know, what do you do? What are your top three tips for thrifting? for finding your goods on Marketplace. How do you find them and what are your tips? Share them with us. We want to know because we are following that trend, that trend that I've been following for years before it was a trend. Get rid of the cheap replicas and bring in the good old stuff. All right, girls, I hope those tips are helpful. Next week, we're going to be having a conversation about the 10 things that are always on my list and what I make sure is a hard pass. And then what happens when you bring them home? What happens? How do you fix some of the things that are light fixes that could be in your wheelhouse without you even knowing about it? Not yet. I'm going to give you all of those tips next week. All right. Until next time. See you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.